Good evening. It's Monday the 13th of September and what a week of action we've got to talk about this week. 43 goals, the most uh, in each division of the EFL um, and some worldies in there amongst some shocks. Uh, had everything this weekend. So um, I'll put us all on the screen today because it's the first time this season we've had a guest on. So I'll start by introducing you first, John. Welcome to the third tier. Well, thank you for handing me my debut. I'm looking forward to this. Yep. Welcome on. And Matt, back on it. As always. Ever Technically present. not Mr. Show, mate. So. Ever present, aren't I? Absolutely. I'm a reliable centre half. That you are. Um, uh, talking of reliable centre halves, how are you doing, Graham? Yeah, I'm all right. Not bad. Uh, I wouldn't call myself as reliable. I'm a bit. I'm Tom Flanagan. I'm having a resurgence. Maverick. Are you. I wouldn't call you a centre-half either. Don't class me as a centre-half. It was a really poor link. <laughs> I think what you can get. Uh, Ian, what time do you call this? Um, not sure you need to pipe up this week, mate. <laughs> yeah. He's already been moaded on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, let me just quickly close that. Sorry, gents. Um, right, we're going to get straight into it this week, guys. It's We've got a lot to talk about, a lot of goals. And a lot to dissect, so um, we shall start with my game choice of the weekend, and that was Cambridge versus Lincoln. Um, mad game um, for me. It was a very difficult game for Lincoln before the match. Um, they've had a torrid time at the moment, not picking up um, any more than the one victory. They've got, I think, three defeats as well. Um, but they started off fantastically well within 20, 20 or so seconds, um, getting on the score sheet. Um, but there's one sort of performance that stood out for me and it's why is my game of the weekend was was Mr Scully's performance um I don't know if you gents have seen the uh, highlights but as uh, three assists and two goals involved in every single um piece of the action and not only that his two goals are absolutely superb um and really set sort of his expectations probably moving forward to this season puts him second in the goals and top for assists as well which we'll come on to talk about um uh, Matt, your thoughts on the match? For me, it was one of those games which I thought would be a very difficult game, maybe very close, but it wasn't the case this time. No, and I, I did some notes for, for every game. I did notes more for the two games that I'm featuring. I just wrote two words for this game, Anthony Scully. Just absolutely <laughs> phenomenal performance. I don't care who it's against, what the comparative form is, at what level. To have 90 minutes where you set up three goals and you score two absolute belters, they're not tappings. Um I know you could say that Cambridge should probably learn and not let him to dart in onto his right foot for the second one, but they're, they're equally good finishes. The first one I preferred just a little bit. But yeah, it's just one of them days where everything he touched turned to gold and he probably won't have another afternoon like that all season. But Imps fans won't care one jot, were they? Because like you said, at kickoff it looked like a tricky one. I think Cambridge had barely conceded a goal this season. Um, and that's even more impressive considering a lot of people had them down to probably struggle a little bit stepping up from League Two. But they got absolutely dismantled and um, probably they're, they're welcome to League One that if you do come up against a good side and they're on it, you can get torn to pieces at this level. I think we're missing the, the main point is that I've been saying for a long while that Lincoln are going to win the league. Um, I'm sticking by that. And then I was laughed at. I was, I was shot at. I was told I was wrong six games into the season. And I tell everyone it was because Chris Maguire was injured. And look who returned to the substitutes bench this week. So we'll talk about Anthony Scully, but I think really the winner is Chris Maguire. 
it's that drop of inspiration when his name's on the team sheet, isn't it? But it's um, his face, isn't it? I feel the same. If his if his face was on my team sheet, apart from the past three seasons, I'd feel like we're going to get promoted and beat teams like Cambridge five one. All it's a handsome chap. Unless you're in the playoffs, though. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> just a just a point though. Um, Bonner said after the game, it's one of these games which we'll learn from. Um, you know, they, they I wouldn't say that. Well, they absolutely did dismantle them, but the stats-wise, they still were in the game in, in some respects, Cambridge. 49% possession, I think they had to about 10 shots. But it's just one of those afternoons where Lincoln were on song and we saw it many times last season. They dismantled a few teams and when they're on song and they're playing good football, Scully in that form. Ironically, I prefer the second goal, Matt. I think he's got less time to think about what he wants to do and he, and he gets some incredible power behind it to send the away fans into raptures and hopefully that can kickstart their season because they deserve to have another go after last season in my opinion um but that's my game choice uh just before we move on to the next one good evening andy um hope you're well good to see you back on the pod um moving on to the next one john as our guest you get the the second pick um after the host and that is the game that you attended i believe that was mk dons versus pompey yeah um i Got, went to the game thinking it's going to be a really tight game. Um, actually got off to a really good start. Um, Gavin Bazumu in goal for Portsmouth was just on another level. Um, save from Parrot, save point blank from Harry Darling, and then tipped an absolute worldie from Twine that I, I thought was destined for the top fins um, round the post. Um, Danny Cowley made a substitution just after half-time, taking um, Hackett Fairchild off and... Uh, he brought Ronan Curtis on about five minutes later um, and then they started to assert themselves on the game uh, to control. Curtis had a brilliant chance one-on-one that Fisher saved and then uh, we brought Joshua Keckering on and then we hit them with a fantastic counter-attack from their own corner where Troy Parrott basically got uh, himself into space, pinged an absolute worldy of a ball to Scott Twine and then for a minute, I thought Usain Bolt was coming down the middle of the stadium. But then, no, it was a good, good old Ethan Robson, who's a lot of fans are now starting to appreciate how good a player he is. I know some, some Sunderland fans say he wasn't as good and some Blackpool fans actually rate him. So I, I was a bit split when he signed. But he's turning into one of these unsung heroes that breaks up the play, starts the moves, gives O'Reilly and Twine the room to... Um, manoeuvre and uh, yeah we just saw the game out after that Portsmouth had no answer really and uh, it was quite a comfortable 1-0 towards the end but uh, it's one of those results I think that um, make people stand up and think that uh, we could have a good push this season Yeah just just on that Matt I'll come to you first that just before the season starts, Russell Martin leaves and we're all talking on the third tier. We're talking amongst our group chat that they're in, they're in a bit of trouble, MK Don, just because of what he was building. And as John's alluded to, the signings they've made this season, it, for me, are if not the best in terms of the group of players they have, but certainly up there along with Ipswich and a few others. Manning's come in and, well, they say, you know, with purpose, played some good football, but they, they, they look like they're, they're not missing in one bit and actually they're, they're taking this league very comfortably, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And I think we, we had this chat, didn't we, on the, the 1 to 24 show? And I think myself and Graham were sort of of the, the similar opinion that losing Russell Martin perhaps wasn't such a big deal as 
maybe the MK Dons fans were making it. And that's understandable because they're in and amongst it and they're that red wine you're drinking. Yes, sorry. Oh, my <laughs> I should have taken me off camera when I sit back. <laughs> very, we've gone very middle class tonight. Anyway, I'm back to the I'm game. celebrating after the Fulham win, mate. What can I say? <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I, I had them challenging the top. I, when they made the signings, I, I, I had them anywhere from sort of second to sixth. And I then toyed with the idea of dropping them out of the playoffs after Martin left. But I, I was brave and stuck them fifth. And I think they're reaping the rewards of that. And Russell Martin, dare I say, it's not started great at Swansea, albeit with a team that's probably been ripped up after Steve Cooper left and they had a few people leave in the summer. But Manning's come in and I think the biggest compliment you can pay him at the moment is he's not... Well, certainly from my point of view, and Jonathan will probably be able to shed more light on it, it doesn't look like he's ripped anything up and gone, right, we're doing it my way now, completely different. He's realised that that Martin was doing a decent job. And I'm certainly not saying that Russell Martin wasn't doing a decent job. I just think people were sort of overcooking how good he was doing in terms of what he'd actually achieved with MK Dons. Um, but but Manning's been really clever. He's tweaked a couple of things, but he knows that he's got a good side and he's got good players. And, and them tweaks at the moment are certainly reaping dividends because I think... Have you lost under him yet? Did you lose the first game under Manning, Jonathan? I know you're, you're five or six unbeaten just... now. Um, well, we lost the first game technically under him to Sunderland, but he did say post-match that Dean Lewington basically picked that squad and he was there just to uh, see what it was like, even though he was on, on the bench. So right. we've actually gone, I think, six unbeaten since then in all competitions. So, um, as you say, he's not really changed much. He's just... Uh, he seems to get us a bit more organised defensively as well, which was one of our weaknesses last season. Um we haven't, I think the earliest we've conceded is the 20th minute so far. And I think everyone that saw us last season saw that we always conceded pretty early in games. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, it was a fair was... assumption. I think, I think they're doing really well and I think they'll be a threat. It's not like you, 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 said, know, they've, you said they've struggled or taken a while to get going under man and it seems to have been pretty seamless. And I don't yeah, think no. Russell Martin's being missed at all. I think he's too linked in for my liking. Too, Russell Martin was far too linked in, like this new guy more. I think they may be not really missing Will Grigg. Surprise. Who, mate? Yeah. <laughs> he's done all right, though, there, didn't he? Didn't he, he, scored, yeah. he, he scored half a dozen yeah, goals in him and, and set up a few as well. that's played for Sunderland and no longer plays for Sunderland, apart from maybe Jermaine Defoe. Oh, godly. Um, just, 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 just to just to wrap this game up, then, or two things you say, um, John, he may set up with like a three-four-two-one, doesn't he? And that four in midfield defend as well as a back sort of five, as well as on the counter attack, yeah. as we saw Robson pushing up. And, and as you say, I didn't know he had that pace in him either. And it was a tidy finish in the end. And one that Benzuma, Benzuma can do anything about after his worldly two weeks, saving a penalty from Cristiano Ronaldo and, and making some very crucial saves. Portsmouth throughout the game but Graham I'll finish on a negative note for Pompey what is it four games now without a goal and after their their, their smart start or a tidy start that they seem to be sort of suffering like they did towards the end of last season I think they're just love League One Pompey um, I think they're just big fans of the league because they kind of get out of it but they're never going to get relegated from it um, but I've never been that enamoured by the Cowleys 
And I don't know if that makes me non-hipster, but like I felt like a lot of people really liked the Cowleys and thought like they were going to go into Portsmouth and that was just going to work. But I, there's nothing about Pompey that makes me go, they're going to be up and around there. I'll be more fearsome of teams like MK Dons and, and probably Accrington after seeing them at the weekend, which I'm sure we'll get on to. But um, I'm sure Pompey will be there or thereabouts because I think they'll get enough points at home to be like around the playoff places. But I don't think... The manager they brought in a couple of years ago was seen as like the hottest property and he hasn't really, in my opinion, and I don't watch Portsmouth every week, so Portsmouth fans, feel free to shoot me with poo-poo if you want. You you know your team better than I do, but I don't think he's got them playing that much better than what they were playing under Kenny Jacket. Yeah, it's a difficult one. They still set up, I think, with a 4-2-3-1, but the quality they've got in their squad, mate, you think they could create chances to score goals. Got the likes of Harness, Tunnicliffe, Marquise, Morel, even Williams sitting in the central midfield. It just something's not clicking there, and their first eleven isn't that bad. So, what do you think it is in terms of them not scoring goals? That's a difficult question, because I suppose if if I knew the answer to that, maybe I'd have a job at Portsmouth. But um, I think Portsmouth probably ha- have a mindset element as well and very much the way that my club does and haven't done, thankfully, so far this season where sometimes things just feel like they're going to go wrong. Pompey, very much as much as we seemingly dislike each other, have been in a very similar boat to Sunderland. And I think, I, I don't, you mentioned a lot of players there that, that are, are good players, but I think for me, Portsmouth have been the same sort of level of strength since four years ago. And I think the more you sort of stand still, at this level or don't improve other teams such as MK Dons, Accrington I mentioned before, are going to catch up they are going to get better um, we've felt that ourselves um, and I don't think their recruitment yeah, they're some better players in the division but any of those players, players that are going to necessarily grow into the championship I don't know, people love Ronan Curtis, I think he's in League One for a reason Harness I think is a really good player, don't like coming up against him but there's a lot of teams in this division that have started well where I'm looking at their teams and I'm saying you could probably take those players into the championship with you if you get promoted and, and give it make a fist of it if you add a bit of quality here and there. Pompey would probably need a bit of an overhaul and it's it's felt like that with a few clubs. But um I wouldn't say I'm worried for Portsmouth, but like they're not I don't even know if they're the same side they were four years ago, if I'm honest. No, you're spot not. I think the pivotal pivotal phrase there you said is if they don't you don't move on and adapt and you stand still you're going to be stagnant and, and stay mid-table and I think I think you're spot mm-hmm. on and they're going to even overhaul in January which yeah. isn't going to work either because they'll be too far away as well so we'll, we'll keep an eye on Portsmouth for now they get on but Matt over to you an incredible match at Ipswich and we're not expecting anything less as just before we go to you James has said evening guys wanted to jump on live for a while love the pod not loving Ipswich's performances though and this was another afternoon to forget for the Tractor Boys it was, wasn't it? It's, we can't keep saying it's early in the season. We can't keep saying these players need time to gel. We can't keep saying Paul Cook needs time. This is Paul Cook's squad now. This is Paul Cook's 11. This is Paul Cook's 18. They're all his players. He's had a whole summer. And <laughs> my prediction for them to win the league looks incredibly poor at the moment. Can you stop drinking wine when I'm talking, please? Putting me right off. <laughs> <laughs> but 
you've got to give credit to Bolton, and we spoke about Bolton early on in the season. And we said they're a lovely team to watch. They look great going forward. They're probably going to hand out a hide into someone, but they look shaky defensively. But they look watertight compared to, to Ipswich Town at the moment, who just look like a bunch of players chucked together. There doesn't seem to be any cohesion. There doesn't seem to be any game plan. I watch the highlights of their games every week, and I come on here and I talk to you lot, and the, the two pluses always seem to be Wes Burns and Macaulay Bond. And again, they combine for the first goal, and you think, here we go. I had it down as 3-2 Ipswich in the predictions this week. I thought Ipswich would get their first win purely because Bolton will give you chances and Ipswich have got players to hurt you going forwards. Yeah. We keep forgetting to factor in that Ipswich are absolutely shocking defensively at the moment and they're giving away more chances. I think is that there's not many teams, if any, have conceded more in the league than Ipswich at the moment. Which, considering you've bought in a £1 million centre-half, you've bought in the best talent available, generally, to this league in terms of it being League One, and we know that League One is of the highest standard it's probably ever been this season. But there's something really, really wrong with Ipswich at the moment for me. I looked at the stats. They, they switch off all the time for the goals. Um, there's a daft challenge for a penalty, which is a stonewaller, which is just brain-dead defending again. Yeah, they then get back into it through the own goal, which is made by Wes Burns again. Um and in second half, they can see two more. You can say they're chasing the game, which understandably happens, that you you know you leave more gaps if you're 3-2 down. But these goals are coming just after half-time. They're not 3-2 down with five minutes to play and they get caught on the break late on. These are happening... They're 5-2 down inside an hour. So they conceded a goal every 12 minutes for the first 60 minutes of that game, which is staggering considering all the players they've bought in. They just look like an accident waiting to happen defensively at the moment. Bolton thoroughly deserved it. They had more shots. They had double. It was 14 to seven. They had over double shots on target, seven to three. They had six corners to one. Biggest concern for me for Ipswich is 14 Bolton shots, 12 were inside the box, which means defensively, Ipswich are too easy to play against. If you're getting off 12 shots inside someone else's 18-yard box in a 90-minute period, you're not doing your job defensively, and that's at any level. And that's a big concern for me if I was a Tractor Boys fan. I know we've got James Johnson on here as well, who's just commented, I think. And uh, mm. put, we'll have a quick read of that one. He's put, I agree, gel and time is out the window. If things don't change soon, there will be a change in coming. Credit to Bolton, just a shame about our fan giving race. Yeah, and that's, I mean, we don't want to talk about that and we don't want to give the arsehole, mm. scum, whatever you want to call them, any sort of airtime because it's, it, it just beggars belief in the 21st century that this is this is a thing again, unfortunately, isn't it? But it's because people can hide behind social media profiles, but doing it at ground is just the lowest of the low, isn't it? Just because your team's lost, people yeah, just absolutely. need to grow up and look in the mirror. But Bitter, I think Paul Cook's got a lot of sort of soul-searching to do at the moment because there becomes a point where it's on his head. It's on his head anyway. Like I said, it's his squad. But we say... You have to give it 10, 12 games to look at the table and that's where you're going to finish. Well, we're halfway through that period of 10, 12 games now and Ipswich are in the bottom four. So I can't yeah. see the new owners waiting too much longer with a squad that's been assembled for, for a decent amount of money as well. This isn't just all free transfers and the wages are probably fairly substantial as well. I can't see them waiting around too much longer if this continues, this run of poor form. And that's what it is. It's a run of poor form now. Soon it becomes a crisis, I imagine. <clears throat> I don't think there's much more we can add to that before we move on. But if you look at Ipswich's 
their, their 52 signings which they've signed but in, in all seriousness the, the team the team that they've they've assembled and as you say it's Paul Cook the, the, the board have invested in Paul Cook they've invested in his ability to sign players and and the owners of course have had some influence in that but you almost don't know what to do it's almost like an embarrassment of riches and you kind of look at the players you've signed and gone actually who do I start now and they initially signed Fraser. I got really excited for them because he's a League One experienced player, as John John would know. Yeah. You know, and their strikers are, are brilliant. Macaulay Bond has done himself super proud anyway. But they just seem to put, like you say, pieces of the puzzle, chucked it in the air, and walked away. And then hopefully they they do something because they're all quality players. And I'd much rather have a team like Accrington or with all you know speaking from personal sort of experience like Blackpool had last season where we signed some decent players and we just that, had that cohesion and that spirit and that, you know, the belief, even like Jill's with all due respect, nowhere near on paper, as Matt, Matt would agree, their, their, their squad isn't good, but you just know they're going to go out there and do something and defend and, and you know, have the odd attack and, and be effective. Ipswich at the moment just, just haven't got a clue. And I think you're right, Matt. I think it would be... I think um, the cruncher on Talking Town said maybe he's got four more games and that's it for him. I wouldn't even give him four more games. If he doesn't pick up a win in his next couple, you can't imagine he's going to be in the job too much longer. Wild, wild prediction for Ipswich. They will never win a game ever again. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, um, John, you must have heard the 1-24s. to When I think Graham had them sixth, maybe seventh, and um, near Matt, genuinely just laughed and was in shock and you all laughed at me i did well lincoln top let us i think it's just more of a guess to be fair mcguire's back it's coming yeah absolutely mm-hmm. uh but o- over to you now we'll, we'll come over to paul cook and, and some other managers at the end if we have time but uh graham yeah. um were you at the game or were you on holiday what did no you see um came back from berlin on friday thanks ryanair for double charging me a flight long don't fly ryanair that's my that's my you can drink. It drove me to red wine. That's what it did on Friday. But yes, I was at the game. I'm sure people don't care too much about Ryanair, but don't fly Ryanair. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it, I mean, it always feels like when you've had like a two-one or a three-one. I think I said Wickham was like our toughest game this season, but I actually think Accrington probably gave us the toughest game this season so far. Um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Good side, and and I think there was a lot of chat about little old Accrington and, and Sunderland being big old Sunderland or whatever it is. Um, I don't think any of us really said that. Not any of that I know of. I'm sure there's one or two, but most people seen it as a really tough game. They're, they're there, second as they were at the start um, when we played them for a reason. Um, McConville's got brilliant delivery in the box. That that kind of concerned me all the time. Obviously, they scored from a corner. We had our new Bayern Munich goalkeeper in, which sounds mental. Um, turns out he was a bit shaky, came into the game eventually. But I, I touched on it a couple of weeks ago, and I don't want to mention his name because I'm a bit worried that Man City might be sniffing about him. But Dan Neal, um, again, like just brilliant. Um, far and wide, our player of the our player of the, the season so far. And, and I think, obviously, John was talking about Ethan Robson before. Um, I never felt like Ethan Robson was really given the chance he was chucked in when we were absolutely horrendous in the championship and you can't polish a turd at the end of the day and that was very much a big steaming pile of it in the championship um, Dan Neal's kind of not really been given the chances we would maybe hope in the past couple of seasons but this season alongside Embo um, who was actually quiet on 
um, Saturday. And and Dan Neal, they've just took their chances and it's just we look like young and, and youthful and like the positive vibes coming from Sunderland is not just because we're winning games, that's helpful, but also these are players that we think can can go up with us. I think Embleton, you know, if, if Blackpool had offered enough, probably would have been playing in the championship anyway. Um Dan Neal just looks a class above this level and um I'm so pleased he's been given the chance. You've got the likes of Kirkins come in there. Um, but the best thing about everything is, is the fact that Carl Winchester signed as a defensive midfielder was actually the best right back in the world. Who would have known? Um, who would have known? But he's been phenomenal. Um, you know, credit accurate, and they give us a real good game. But something feels just a bit different with something this season. And I mean, yeah. I, I'm trying to be positive and stuff like that, and and often it gets shrouded in the the negativity that tends to come with something. But we look a really good team. Um, we've we've beaten. I think it was. I think we've beaten five of the top seven. So we're not beating teams around the bottom. We've beat. We've beat Accrington. We've beat Wigan. Uh, we've beat Wickham. We've beat teams around, like around us, who will be wanting to to push for the. Obviously, Burton beat us, of course. But anyone who watched that game will probably understand that we battered them. Um, they had one shot on target. It's, it sometimes goes that way in League One, doesn't it? But. Um, to, to kind of move away from Sunderland because obviously we're class and there's not much more I can add to that um, at the moment. Accrington, I think, will actually make a bit of a go of it this season. Um, I have a feeling that Accrington might actually sneak into the playoffs for once. They've got a a decent squad, you know, got a decent forward line. I know Dion Charles and, and I know that um, Colby Bishop are not firing all cylinders, but they've got like Mombongo on the bench there to push them a little bit, who's obviously came from Burnley. Their goalkeeper was tremendous, um, James Trafford. It, I mean, no chance with the first one. The second one's really good play. Um, and Carl Winchester, obviously, best right back in the world, is going to finish that um, from that distance. But he had a really good game. He's on loan from, from Man City, the same as Callum Doyle is. I think more or less the same size, same age from our side. But I think I think Accurate might do all right this season. Um, they certainly give us the game. And I think, I think we just edged it, but I'm obviously going to be biased. I think if you look at the statistics, they were very, very even. Yeah, just coming on to that, there was 42 shots in total, 21 each. Um, and five on five on target each as well. So just, just seeing that game out 2-1 probably gives you the, like you say, there is something different. And dare I say it with Sunderland, although this is probably um, an oxymoron, but you've gone under the radar massively, haven't you? Like, You've you've, you've chipped away at games and McGeady's not taking headlines. You've got got a very decent side now. Um, And you just look a very solid outfit. And dare I say, you and Wigan almost look identical in terms of you've got a very structured first 11 that can bring effective players on. And you're just going to go about your business nicely this season. Long may it continue, but you just hope Streaky Lee doesn't doesn't, um, just come into play. But it, it, it does feel... A, a little bit different this 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 side. It really um, does. Our bench is like just looking at our bench there. You've got Lee Burge, Niall Huggins from Leeds, Corey Evans who was at Blackburn last season, Alves who's on loan from West Ham, uh, Broadhead who's on loan from Everton, Alex Pritchard who was worth eleven million what four year ago, and, and Bailey Wright who was sort of more or less vice captain last year. And that that's the good thing is we're playing well with a lot of strength and depth. So an, an injury crisis should hopefully not affect us either. Absolutely. Do you think that the home crowd is uh, helping you, Graham? Because obviously the fans are pa- passionate up at the northeast. Do you think having <clears> fans <throat> back at the stadium alike is making a massive difference to start your season? 
Massive, yeah. I think I think hugely. I think for me, when it comes to um, the home crowd, I think we get a lot of stick for being so passionate that we're sometimes negative. But you look at our stats last season for home games won, lost, and drawn without fans. We, I think we lost about five at home. We'd only lost previously the season beforehand a maximum of one, maybe two. Um, we've won four and four. I, I, I mean, I'm biased, but I think thirty odd thousand getting behind you. Yeah, it's a bit of a fortress again, which is nice. Yeah, it's certainly going to make a difference, isn't it? Um, long may it continue at the top. Um, my second game choice uh, is a very, very interesting match. Ian, look away now. Um, it was that of Rotherham and Fleetwood. Uh, 4-2 victory for Fleetwood after Rotherham took the lead in the second half late on. Smith getting on the, on the score sheet again and sadly Adam for the Millers. But... There's a couple of performances that I want to want to pick out, and that was of Callum Camps and, and Morton. Um, they've got too many Callums in their team. Um, but, um, I think it was one nil, one nil, one nil to start. Yeah, one nil to to, to Fleetwood initially. Um, and John, I'll come to you. Have you seen Morton's goal? For me, it's an absolutely sensational finish. I mean, I add it to Weldy territory, maybe not, but the turn and, and the shot power beyond beyond yeah. the keeper is, is one of a very Decent finish. I have, Go ahead, mate. I, I think the the free kick from Danny Andrews better. To be honest, um, I thought that was that. I think he did he score against Lincoln from a free kick as well yeah. earlier in the yeah. season. Um, so it's it's good that uh, Fleetwood have finally found a little bit of form because I was starting to worry about them a lot. Um. I know Nappers was a bit worried himself, but they seem to be uh they seem to have got a bit of a, a rhythm going now and um if they can get mid table I think that'll be an be an achievement for Fleetwood because at the start of the season they were one of the sides I was really worried about. They obviously lost a lot of quality in the summer and I didn't think they'd replaced it that adequately. But if they stay up they, that'll be a massive achievement for Fleetwood and I think it was just a Bad day at the office for Rotherham. They're not offering that awful at home. Um, they've got quality. They've obviously got Greg Ladapo and Smith at the top. Um, and I think it's I think it's just one of those results that you you just look at you, and then you just move on to the next game. And obviously they've got I think they play Lincoln tomorrow, and I think that's going to be a massive game for them to come back and hopefully get a get a result. Yeah, Matt. Um, he already loses to probably two incredible free kicks. Probably not going to see much better this season. Although you'll probably argue um, if it's Callum scored, isn't it for you? Second game of the season, wasn't it? Um, but Callum Camps finally finding some form after not scoring for several months and two assists and a goal. Um, he's really sort of being a part, be an integral part of Fleetwood again, isn't he? He's pivotal and he's going to be huge for him, isn't he? We spoke at the beginning of the season and, and on the 1-24 to show again that we keep alluding to and I said that I didn't think they'd score enough goals. I think, you know, you look at people that they've had in previous seasons recently like Madden and, and uh, Chad Evans and people like that that are going to get you 12, 15 goals a season each and um, suddenly you're thinking, where's that coming from? But if they've got Callum Camps in the side on song, then they're going to have chances created and then it's, it's going to give them half a chance. And yeah, if they had a really poor start, like Jonathan's just said, but... Seven points from the last nine available, isn't it? They've uh, beaten Cheltenham 3-2. Then they've got a decent point at Plymouth. And that looks a better point now as well, I'd imagine, because Plymouth are really starting to pick up. Um, 
and I'll have to eat some humble pie in a minute when I talk about their game. Yeah, and obviously it's a, it's a great win at the weekend. No one saw that coming. I don't think it's probably a bit of a coupon buster for anyone that likes a flutter. And uh, what did I put on my notes? Simon Grayson starting to have an effect. Again, it's similar to Paul Cook, isn't it? It's his team. It's on a much smaller scale and it's his squad. And they're, um, they're just starting to gel. And um, yeah, I've got nothing against Fleetwood. I've got them to get relegated in my... Um, season predictions but they're um they are certainly showing signs of life at the moment and um give themselves a fighting chance yeah they signed they've signed not loads of players but where they've added they've added quite well i've always been quite a good big fan of callum morton on the on the tenses of what he did at northampton and when he finds his form whether that be at league two or league one i didn't have a good time at lincoln but he showed getting in behind he was running you know running beyond rotherham Couple of um, he didn't assist the goal, but he was he had a pivotal part in the in the fourth goal. And if he starts running in behind and find this form after his hat trick in the EFL Cup, obviously a pretty poor competition. But at the end of the day, when you when you're a striker and you've scored three goals in a game, and then you go on the next league game and score, he's going to have a big part to play for Fleetwood. And um, just going back to something completely random, but Portsmouth then that's why Portsmouth surprised me. They both got hat tricks. Ellis Harrison and and Morton and Morton starts has a really positive influence on the game. Portsmouth don't score when he comes on in the 80th minute and just shows you've got to have faith with someone in form. And and I think if he continues to have a big part of them with camps and, and etc., then they could start to feel a bit more comfortable, Fleetwood. Um, so, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Rotherham will be just fine. Ian, I, I think, you know, he's still dominated in terms of statistics. It's just they hurt you effectively and you've got, you've got a response to that and Lincoln is going to be a tough game. So get anything out of that and, you know, you're back on track. Uh, we next have Wigan Doncaster over to you John that was your second game choice yeah um, this was a really intriguing one for me Um, Wigan I I thought were going to be sort of the dark horses of the of the league one Um, they've signed really well um, really sort of under the radar Um, they they did go behind in this game to Doncaster um, and I think Doncaster fans thought that maybe the tide had turned because uh, they've not had a good start to the season whatsoever. Um, but then uh, Will Keane pops up with uh, two goals. He scored his first one not long after uh, after Doncaster scored with uh, from a I think it was from a corner. And then uh, second goal um, it was in the was in the second half. It was a really tidy finish actually. Um, I just think Wigan have got sort of underrated quality in their side. I think they started with Callum Lang, Charlie White, um, Will Keane, like up top. Then they've got obviously Max Power in the, in the side as well. Um, I think Jack Watmore's a really good signing for them at centre-back at Wigan. Um, I think he was really underrated at, at Pompey. Um, and I, I just, I'm, I'm in a way, I'm really happy that Wigan have had a real solid start to the season after what they went through last season and, and like not just surviving. I know it's fairly comfortable in the end, but um it's as I said, it's just Doncaster that I really, really fear for. I I can't see where the goals are coming from at the minute. I think their two main strikers are out injured. Um I think there was contract disputes with Omar Bogle. I'm not sure if he was back on the bench or starting. And it just seems to me that for this time last year, Doncaster were up there, I think they were second or third or something. They were quite high up yeah. last season, and then in the in in a year they've lost their manager. They've probably lost 
two or three of their best players and they just haven't replaced them adequately. And I, I really struggle to see where their, their first win's coming from. Yeah, Matt, um, Wigan finding a bit of form themselves. I think, John, you've summed up Doncaster really well. I think they are in trouble, but on the opposite side to that, Wigan finding ways to win without being spectacular at the moment. And I think that's Max Power's third assist of the season. Will King's got three goals already and an assist. They just seem to be ticking over throughout the squad, don't they? They look defensively quite decent, kept a lot of clean sheets already, um, or, or, or conceding the odd goal that they don't really want to concede. A bit of a sloppy maybe goals to concede. And and they look they look really decent. They've got depth as well. If you look at their bench at the weekend, yeah. Stephen Humphreys, Jordan Jones, Gwion Edwards... Curtis Tilt, Tom Pierce. I don't know who Sam Tickle is. Is that one of the Mr. Men? <laughs> Bless him. What an excellent name that is. He must have been the sub-keeper, I'm assuming. Because none of the others are goalies. But yeah, they've got strength in depth. And we spoke about Will Keane a few weeks ago and I said it was intriguing to watch him play in the number 10. But he's absolutely thriving. So, fair play to Liam Richardson because Will Keane's essentially been a number nine all his career. I know he's been a bit nomadic and he's never really sort of fulfilled that potential that he had as a kid. But Richardson's obviously saw something and said, right, we're going to play you in a slightly different position so we can get you and Charlie Wyke into the side, but without losing numbers in the middle of the park if we're without the ball. And he's he's been brilliant so far, Will Keane, this season. They've got a very good squad. The spine of it's very good. And I know Graham likes to joke about Charlie Wyke, but they're second. They haven't lost since the opening day. They've played a lot of the teams that are probably be up there this season already. And Charlie White's not got going yet. If they get Charlie White going, there's every reason they could be in the top two come the end of the season. Because regardless of whether Charlie White moves out the six-yard box, out the 18-yard box, is mobile or isn't mobile, if he scores half the goals he scored for Sunderland last season, then he's going he's gonna to win you plenty of points. And if they've got other people chipping in as well, the Will Keens and the Stephen Humphreys and... Uh, that type of player, then then they're going to be a threat all season long. Absolutely. Yeah, well surmised. Um, moving on to the next game, up to the 40-minute mark. Been a very decent chat so far, but um, no goals for Hardy or, or Jeff Cott. Jeff Cott didn't add to his three goals and one assist, but no problem for Plymouth as they, they rise to eight from that. Yeah, and that's, that's literally the first line I wrote. Most impressive <laughs> part for me was they've relied on Ryan Hardy and Luke Jeff got all season so far and they've been very good, but they didn't come to the fore at the weekend and they've seen off a very good Sheffield Wednesday side. We sat here a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, when Sheffield Wednesday got beaten Morecambe and we said, it's going to happen, it's League One. Them type of results, they get chucked up every so often. They were unlucky in that game. They dominated everything, didn't they? The possession, the shots on target. Morecambe rode their luck, had an own goal. This is a really good win though for Plymouth and I am going to eat a lot of humble pie because... I think we all had Plymouth to go down, didn't we? Yeah. In the one to twenty fours. I didn't see him being defensively strong enough. I didn't see James Wilson making enough of a difference. They've kept clean sheets in fifty percent of their league games this season and uh, yeah. they beat us one nil and I was really disappointed, but it's not such a disastrous result now if if a if a loss isn't a disaster in any way. Um got comments from Liam Martin here, we just bring his comment in. For me, not being disrespectful to the three teams of Wimbledon, Donny and Crew. They're also winning for us, Donny and Crew also at home. So he thinks they can pick up nine points in the next three games. I didn't realise that's that's three very, very appealing fixtures, yeah, for a team that's in, in good form at the moment. And Sheffield yeah. Wednesday had plenty of the ball again. But I think if there's any Owls fans out there that still didn't think League One will be difficult, that's probably just 
let you know and emphasise the point that it is. There are some good sides in this division that, that are not maybe, you know, the, the big teams, the Sunderlands, the Portsmouths, the Ipswich, the Charltons and that type. Um, and you can get rolled over if you're ever so slightly off it. And I'm not saying it was a disastrous performance by, by Sheffield Wednesday, but Plymouth was solid defensively. There was a couple of chances at 2-0. I think there was a Barry Bannon header. And then there was a massive scramble after that. It got cleared off the line. Plymouth were chucking bodies here, there and everywhere to keep the ball out. There was one incident that was like pinball in the six-yard box. You didn't see enough of that from the Pilgrims last season. The first goal was brilliant. Innovation, isn't it, from uh, Edwards. Joe Edwards. The little overhead kick in the middle of the box. The second one's well worked. And so's the third one. They've scored... Um, oh, yeah, the second one was a set piece, wasn't it? Brilliant delivery from Conor yeah. Grant for Dan Scar. I think that's his first goal since arriving yeah, from Walsall in the summer. Absolutely brilliant delivery. There's a centre-forward or as a centre-back attacking the set-piece. That's the type of delivery you want every week, isn't it? And uh, and then they were solid defensively and then they caught them on the break for the third goal, which was well-worked as well. So, big credit to Ryan Lowe because they're... Um, sorry, uh, Ryan Law, who finished that one off. Um, yeah, Plymouth at the moment going under the radar and, and, and doing a, a really good job of uh, picking up points against sides that they probably weren't fancy to at the start of the season. Yeah, they've got... Really good experience over the pitch as well. Like you say, Broom, Grant, um, Jeff Cott, Hardy, Edwards, Scar. Um, they had a lot of League One grit and, and experience. And I keep, I think what, um, I forgot your name, Graham, sorry. <laughs> what Graham said earlier is is really sort of stuck with me. If you don't adapt and change, change in, in League One, you're going to get, and this league is now turning into that, isn't it? We're six or seven games in now for some teams and, and the table's on its head. Um, and those teams like MK Dons and Wigan, etc., they're adapting, they're changing. Yes, they've spent money on wages, etc., but they are trying to improve themselves to be better than everyone else and having a good go. And teams like Accrington and stuff, that's why they're so exciting because every year they change something um, and they see themselves in and around the mix. Whereas if you don't, you know, start well or you don't, Sort of, if you're complacent like Ipswich have been, then you, you face the consequences for that. And League One for me is is why it's one of the hardest leagues in the world to get out of. Um, who did we have next? Oh, the game of the weekend for me, Graham. Your pick, Morecambe Accrington. Wow, what was all I have to say? It was Morecambe Wimbledon. Wimbledon, wasn't it? Wimbledon. <laughs> sorry, that's an old tag. I'm so sorry, Wimbledon. Me just not in the way of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I'm was so the game. sorry. <laughs> That's, um, That's the wine. Too much red wine. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Too much red wine. Absolutely. Right. Sorry about that. Yeah. Sorry. I'll start again. Morecambe, Wimbledon. We all make mistakes, Tom. Don't worry about it. Um, you're doing your sterling job. Don't ignore them. Um, yeah. What a game. Um, it, the thing is, I mean, a four-three is always a good game, but then the goals that were in it as well, like. I mean, the first one from Hartigan's an absolute screamer. After five minutes, you think, well, that's going to be goal of the game no matter what happens. Then there's another six goals that go on top of that. Obviously, uh, the second the second goal, uh, sorry, the third goal, should I say, sorry, for um, from Morgan from Cole Stockton's just a screamer. And that is eighth of the season. He's got eight goals already as Cole Stockton, which is, it's going to be huge no matter whichever way we look at it. Um, for a team that I think, I know they've done all right and started well, but uh, there's going to be a point when they're going to be battling against potential relegation. So they need someone that's going to score goals. But I think for me, Wimbledon again, I, I know it looks like a close game um, in terms of the scoreline, but I think 
statistically and also from the extended highlights that I watched, I think for me, 19 shots to seven kind of tell a lot of the story. And I think you talked about Sunderland going under the radar before. I think Wimbledon have. Um, the fourth in the fourth in the league, they're playing really attacking, exciting football. Like a lot of their a lot of their goals, a lot of their play. Obviously, I've seen them at um the stadium light this season and, and they were also very good. But I quite like this idea of and I'm certainly not the kind of person that likes the low block. It's called sitting back in my world. So I'm very much not one of those new school kind of what is it, XG or whatever it's called. I just explain it in the normal way that, that I understand it. Um, but they've brought in a substitution coach or something like that, um, which is really, really interesting. They've got a guy that essentially assesses when's the right time to bring in the substitutes in terms of like the teams, when do they, do they suffer against pace at a specific time and yada, yada. And I think like there's about, I could be wrong with the statistic here, but I'm sure it's like a lot of their goals have come from substitutes or after they've made a substitution and like directly afterwards this season. So thus far, six, six, seven games in, it's kind of proven um, that maybe that, that works. And again, you know, Wimbledon quietly just doing really, really well. Um I think they've got a decent squad to put them together. I think even the last goal, their winner, it overshadowed by Hardigan's goal and overshadowed by Stockton's second strike. But their, their winner was great as well. He just turned on the yeah. sixpence. Um, yeah. and, and I think, I know it was away from home with Wimbledon, but I think them playing at Plough Lane this season is going to be a big thing, like a really big thing. They look like they're a, a challenge for teams away from home. I think they'll give anyone a game. they give us a game. Um which is unexpected at the time. Obviously, they've got a Morecambe who are in form and have won, um, scoring four goals. Ah, they battered us at their place, and we yeah, yeah, pulled their pants down in injury time and nicked a point. I don't know whether they'll get. I don't know whether they'll be in fourth position by the end of the season. Don't get me wrong, um, but I mean, we talked about how Wimbledon are like Houdini. Do you know what I mean? They always get out of it. I don't think they're going to have to do that this season. I think uh, Robinson, their manager, is obviously. Just a little bit more forward thinking than maybe what they've had previously, and I feel bad for saying that about Glenn Hodges because I really like him. Um, nice, really nice bloke. Um, but I just feel like Wimbledon have moved into a slightly different dimension to what they were previously, which was bringing non-league players see if we can get a win. I think he's kind of done that, but then also added an element on top. And I thought they were fab on Saturday. Um, we could talk about Morecambe and the, the Stockton goal, but for me, Wimbledon should have put that game away well beforehand. Um, and that was because of how well they played. So, yeah, kudos to Wimbledon. I, li- I like to see them do well as well. I think almost everyone does. Maybe not John, but... Um, but I'll say not everyone. <laughs> I'm not going to come to John as a personal request. But, Matt, um, shout out to Nightingale as well. Defences are always important. Hennigan mm-hmm. getting the equaliser or first goal sorry, against Ipswich. Um from a header from a set piece is another set piece goal. He's got three goals now, I think, all season from centre back, and I think that's two and two or three and three now for him. And he's, he's, he's played a pivotal part at the back for Wimbledon as well. Yeah, you see, they've always, like Graham said, they've always struggled at this level, haven't they? And then they they seem to. I joked at the start of the season, either on my preview show or on ours, and said that they could be thirty points adrift with six games to go, and they'd still get out of trouble. Um, but. I have to concur with what Graham's saying at the moment. I had them to get relegated. I, I really feared for them because they'd lost Joe Piggott's goals and I just thought that 
a team that, that struggled to create chances and was relying on one person to score 45% of your goals, which is what Piggott did last season, spell trouble. But I wonder how Mr Piggott's feeling at the moment. A penny for his thoughts at the moment while he sits entrenched in a relegation zone and Wimbledon are absolutely thriving and playing a completely different way to they, to they did under Glyn Hodges and Wally Downs before that and, and Neil Ardley going back a bit further. Um He's ripped everything up and, and he said, I'm doing it my way and he's doing it really well at the moment, Michael Robinson, and fair play to him. He's doing a great job and whether it's sustainable over 46 games, I'm not so sure if they, they have injuries or suspensions, but you can only be as good as your last performance and uh, their start to the season has been very, very good. I'm also one of them ones that said Piggott will score 20 to 25 goals of that team around him after seeing what he did last season and... As you say, something's not right with Ipswich, and you know, he, I think if he was in that Wimbledon side, that he they might even be further up the table, um, which is you know the most ironic thing. But move on, got about 12, 12 13 minutes to go. And John, I'll come to you. Um, was it Blair and Perry adding uh, two goals for Cheltenham? And you call it a shock, but Cheltenham starts the season has been appalling so far, and it's a fantastic win for the Robins. It certainly is. Um, we obviously played them last week on the uh, international break and they actually aren't a bad side. They took the lead. I think their problem was they just sat back and allowed us to have a lot of the ball and we just had had to work really hard to break them down. Um, I honestly think, and I'm not just saying this as an MK fan, uh, if we had Mo Iser or Troy Parrott in that game, I think we would have won that comfortably. Uh, no disrespect to Charlie Brown. But uh, Charlton, for me, um, there's something not right there. Um, they came to our place, I think, second home game of the season, took an early lead. And then as soon as we equalised, they, they were shell-shocked. And it was just, it's almost like if Jaden Stockley doesn't score, then almost where's where's the goals coming from? I know they've signed Lecco late on in the window. Uh, they've got Jaya Simi, they've got Charlie Kirk, Connor Washington got Alex Gilby to come back at some point as well. So they have got the quality there. But it's a bit like you said for um, Ipswich earlier on. Um, how long do you leave it? Because they'd have been wanting minimum playoffs with the squad that they've got. And you're just wondering how long do, does the Charlton board leave it before Nigel Adkins possibly loses his job? I'm not saying that he, he has to just yet, but there's going to be massive pressure on Charlton to to certainly improve their form going forward. I think you've summed that up perfectly. I think with the squad they've got, they sit bottom three, uh, bottom four, is it? And Cheltenham now 14th and are plod plodding along nicely. And we always said, um, didn't we, Matt, that Duff will get them organised and well-structured. They've taken their chances. I think Blair's now taking his chances a lot better than he was at the start of the season with the chances that he had and now he's he's popping in a few goals here and there and they're seeing out games nicely and regardless of Cheltenham's league position they've held up well and, and they've taken three points and, and not bowed to what was a Jonathan Lecco goal at what 50-55 minutes wasn't it so they've still sustained that pressure and, and taken away all three points which even I didn't expect after the 3-0 against Crew. Yeah it's a big result it's a really good result for them and uh They've started great, haven't they? And um, all I think all the teams that have come up have done really well so far. I don't think anyone's, say, underachieved. That's probably the wrong word because they're all coming up from the division below. So what's underachieving after half a dozen games? But 
there's a couple that are punching above their weight and there's others that are certainly at least on a par with where you'd think they'd be. So fair play to all of them. There's how often have we said it? There tends to be one team that comes up from League Two and goes all the way through to the Championship straight away. I didn't see being any this season, but Bolton are probably the ones that you'd have to think have probably got the best chance. But but Cheltenham, what I've seen so far, I think they'll have enough to stay up. We said about Alfie May at the start of the season. He won't score you loads of goals, but he's such a willing runner. His energy and his work rate's infectious off the ball. He's willing to run the channels all day long, even if he doesn't get the ball himself. And then that creates space for the other players. And, and that, you know, that could be the case for Saturday. They're just the two wide players that have scored the goals. Michael Duff's doing a fantastic job. That's the bottom line. Again, like Jonathan said, how long the Charlton leave? It, it is only six games, but when you when you spend big on transfer fees and or wages, you, you do expect almost an immediate return. And them and Ipswich have probably been the two biggest disappointments of the season so far. But from my point of view, let's just hope the Charlton's horrendous run continues for another week, eight days, because we've got to play them at home next Tuesday. Absolutely. Uh, moving on, I'll give this one to you, Matt. I'm sure you can surmise it in, in, in under a minute, but I'm not sure. Your, your first goal, is, or the, your, your goal is, is decent um, with the front two linking up, but I have to ask what the Burton player is doing just before he's dispossessed for your goal. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, there was like a little bit of crab football went on in the middle of the park, weren't there? Like you used to play he when you were forward, forward, went forward, back, forward, yeah. And, and then, then they all forward, sort of sat down and then we pinched it. And to, I didn't go to the game. Um, Reese and Owen and Sam did my match day live for me this week. And they all said it felt like it was two points left at Burton. We, we absolutely dominated them first half, especially Mustafa Carriol. I think he tied their right back in so many knots that they had to get the Boy Scouts out to come and help him out. Um <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, the half-time team talk went out the window. You know what Steve Evans and Paul Rayner would have said. They'd have said, we'd be solid for 15, 20 minutes. We quiet on the crowd. We were solid for about 15 seconds, I think it was, unfortunately, and conceded from a long throw. But the good thing Saturday was that if that was probably two weeks ago at Shrewsbury, we went on and lost the game because we purely didn't have people that were fit enough to, to be on the bench. We didn't have people that were fit enough to be in the squad and then people were starting the game and having to do 90 minutes. Whereas this week, it's the strongest bench we had all season. Charlie Kelman was promising on debut. He could have scored. He had one that was exactly the same sort of shot across the keeper as, as for Dane Oliver. Oliver's just crept inside the post. Unfortunately, Kelman's went just past it and that would have put us 2-0 up and I think we'd have gone on to win it quite comfortably from there. But there's one second half where Carriol cuts inside his man. It sort of hits the keeper on the inside of the knee and spins past the far post. But, but Burton had their moments as well. Jamie Cummings had to make a couple of good saves. But for me, I thought it was a really good point. Disappointing in the sense that, that Reese and, and Owen and, and Sam said that we should have been out of sight. Um, but Burton have started well. For me, it looked like a Gillingham performance and it looked like a Steve Evans team performance. And, and we've not seen that enough this season. And that's for reasons out of his control. We've had so many problems with injury and COVID that we've just not been able to get you know consistent selections and consistent performances out of people. And fingers crossed moving forward, we do. We've got two home games coming up now against MK Don Saturday and Charlton on Tuesday week. And if we can if we can pick up four points from them two games, then suddenly we're going to look at, in a lot better position. But yeah, it's certainly in terms of the performance, it was it was a lot more encouraging. And, and we won't be anywhere near the relegation zone. I'm confident of that all the time. Steve Evans is in charge. Yeah, you're spot on there. I think um, last two games then uh, Shrewsbury Crew bit of a. It's a stagnant affair in terms of both teams' sort of seasons. They both would have won a win after Crew signed reasonably well um, on the last day, but 
it's positive signs, Graham, that crew have played much better. Mandron's got Crew's second and his second goal of the season. They've, they've gone away from home and picked up a point. I think Shrewsbury a bit, a bit more annoyed come the end of the 90 minutes, but um, I think Crew will suit that result a little bit more when they take the next game at home looking for three points. I think when you're struggling like Crew have been and you're kind of looking for not just the next three points, the next point, you've got to take any positive with it. I don't think, I know Crew haven't won a game yet. I know Shrewsbury's only won the one, but it's a really long old season. Um, you can start quite disastrously and still end up in the playoff places if you if you turn it around quick enough. And I, I actually really like Mandron. Obviously, he was at Sunderland for a while. I never really seen him at Sunderland. But, um, I mean, it was a while ago now, but the, the last game before the pandemic for Gillingham, he was absolutely superb and, and Matt will attest to that. And he's got it in his locker. And I think we could say for a lot of players, um, but I think Mandron's one of those players that's got really high quality, just not really high level consistency, um, probably. But if you do it occasionally, um, that'll be enough to probably keep you up. And I think Crew have got enough to stay up. I, I know it's not been the best to start, but I think I think Crew will be okay. Shrewsbury, on the other hand, I'm a bit concerned by. I know they beat Gillingham the other week, but you know, you're going to win one game in six occasionally and you're going to, that's going to happen in a long old season. But for me, Shrewsbury, I was speaking to the, the Salad cast not long ago and they were saying things, things ain't good. Um, and I just think since since their really good season has struggled, and I, I keep seeing that happening, and I just feel like Shrewsbury might be. I can't remember where I put them in my predictions. I know they're near the bottom, but I have a feeling that I, I think they might step up. I think we all had them about 15, 16, just with the sheer lack of goals. Yeah. But it's turning a bit bitter with Steve Cottrell saying a couple of interviews now where he's turning a bit say nasty is probably the right word, is reacting, saying you tell me how we played then if you know, that sort of thing. So it's not nice to see and I don't think the fans are appreciating it much as well, which is horrible considering what he's been through as well. But we'll like that. Couple, though, wasn't he? he was he was assistant manager at something when I was a kid and he's a bit he is a bit like that. I know it's not the right I know obviously he's had a really difficult year and obviously you know everyone fully behind him with that but from a Manage, I, I found him quite defensive in the past. I know some fans love him, Bristol City, some fans don't. Um, he was at Sunderland really early in his career and he was very, I'll use the word defensive, and I don't think it benefits Shrewsbury at all if he's acting like that. Absolutely. Uh, the final game, um, by any means, not a goal fest because it was nil nil, um, John, but two decent sides, Wickham effective without the ball, Oxford 66% possession, couldn't make it count. Um, it's one of those games where you probably shake hands at the end of it and, and move on to the next one. Yeah, uh, didn't realise the possession was that high. I wonder where I've heard that before in recent years. Um, but possession doesn't win you games. Um, learned that the hard way several times last season. Uh, Gillingham being the, the the perfect one actually last season. Um, and I think I think both sides will just take the point and move on. Um, I think it was always going to be a tight affair. Um, it's two sides that are going to be there or thereabouts. Um, Wickham for me, I think getting Sam Volks was was a was a masterstroke. Obviously, Kai Kai when he when he wants to can be a big player as well. And uh, I just I don't know. I just fear for Oxford if Matty Taylor and and uh, oh, who is it? Who is it called? If uh, yeah, Matty Taylor doesn't score or oh, forget who the other one is. Um, Oh, God, my brain's gone. But, yeah, 
if uh, Matty Taylor doesn't get the Henry. goals and uh, uh, James Henry. yeah, Henry, James Henry, if those two don't perform for Oxford, then I struggle to see where their goals really come from. Um, <laughs> in all honesty, they seem to be a um, catalyst, don't they, for, for Oxford? But we'll see how these teams get on. As you said, they'll be there or thereabouts. But I think Wickham will have, like you say, if the other two don't perform, but Wickham know how to win games. With the with their squad in general, whereas Oxford maybe rely on two or three players, so we'll see how they get on. But that that finishes sort of the fixtures, and we'll move on to the last um, last few talking points, which we've already sort of surmised Scully over the weekend, and there's not much more to add to it. I had it in my notes just to talk about it a little bit more, but we surmised it in their match. Um, phenomenal performance, and and Matt said at any level, you've just got to appreciate the skill and 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 the. You know, the inspiration he's got in that Lincoln side to kickstart their season. I think it's uh, what three, yeah, five goals, three assists, um, and yeah, and obviously he got got two two goals and three assists on the weekend. But um, nonetheless, it shows his quality, and he did it against Lincoln, um, did it against Fleetwood as well with a sensational finish, very similar to the one at Cambridge. And you've got to think it's going to be a pivotal part now. They've lost. Um, Johnson and Rogers um, from last season, so he's going to definitely be an inspirational talking point. Um, and we've already talked about it, and probably not as much as Morgan fans would want, but I'll add to that: Stockton's on fire, twelve shots, Matt, six goals, fifty percent shot, shot accuracy. He's a striker which knows where the ball, where where the goal is, and he's he's just settled into League One. And for me, looking at him and looking at his goal, especially the one on the weekend, but may I add is utterly incredible if that was Ronaldo, Messi or anyone over the weekend and it would have been headlines for days. Um, for me, one of the goals of the season already. Um, he probably could be in any side in this championship um, in League One and 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 score as many goals. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and we always say teams that are coming up, if they've got a goal score, I think Graham alluded to it earlier in the piece, if, if they've got goal scores, you've got half a chance. The goal specifically for me, what makes it so outrageously good for me is it looks like he's gone with a side foot. Your yeah, tendency yeah. there, I'd imagine, if you play football, is, is to go with the laces there. But I think he's realised that the keeper's so far out that he's gone, right, I can side foot this. I've got enough time to loft it over him and to get it up and down. The technique's incredible. The fact that he's even thought about taking it on is, is outrageous enough. The fact that he's got the tar- it on target is then even more outrageous. And the fact that he's actually scored is just absolutely phenomenal. And it just says to me, a player at the top of his game who thinks anything that it's going to go in. And we had James and Charlie on, didn't we, a few weeks ago? And and James said that, um, or it might have been on my match preview show, James said that once he gets the ball within his sphere and it's under his control, it's impossible to get the ball off. So he can hold it up. He can play with his back to goal. He certainly knows how to finish. He's decent in the air probably didn't realise he quite had that in his locker, to be fair to him. I'm not sure James and Charlie did either, but it's a phenomenal hit from a very good player who I think will continue to thrive at this level. It's, it's just come to life, hasn't he? And it's such a shame that the game ended, well, obviously not Wimbledon, but they ended with one of those teams winning because it was a hell of a match. And you take the polar opposite to that. His first goal, is, I think he's got his back to goal initially, but he just turns around and he's found the net with such with such ease, with, whereas some strikers may you know find it difficult to score. And, It'll be interesting to see how many goals he's actually going to get in this side because they're going to rely heavily on him scoring goals, of course. But um, do you think, uh, I'll throw this out to you, Graham, do you think come January he might be a target for 
a championship side. Maybe you can see him at a team like Blackburn, even Blackpool, quite locally local to him. But someone's going to take a punt on him, and it probably won't take a ridiculous fee to, to get him off Morecambe's hands. I think that's what it comes down to, isn't it? It comes down to if he keeps on at his his rate of scoring, then teams maybe above will will look at him and think, well, low risk, potential high reward. Um, so yeah, maybe, but. Uh, Devil's advocate. I've seen a few players. Obviously, he's 27, I think now. Um, I'm saying well, I think I've definitely age, uh, 27 years of age. I was going to say I, I think I definitely just googled it as I was speaking. Um, so I know he's 27. Um, but yeah, he's. I always feel with strikers at this level that sometimes it can go through a, a hot streak. Charlie White had a, a season-long one. Um, was very poor otherwise for something, for example. So I think players can go and do something, and and they can go and before. Charlie White, nah, <laughs> more yellow cards than goals this season, lads. Um, but I think he's got to keep it going. And I know it's really good, and I know that sounds a bit negative. And Morgan fans are probably thinking, "Bloody hell, you put his bottom in the thing. You're not giving our striker credit for getting eight goals." Um, but you have to keep that kind of stuff going. It has to continue. Um, I think Jeff Jeffercott last season scored a lot of goals and dried up, um, and then Plymouth stuttered a little bit. So, but if he continues at the, the same rate of, and what was it, fifty percent he's scoring of the shots he has, um, yeah. if he does continue like that, it's, even if he goes in January, it's, it's good news for, it's really really good news for um, for Morgan because you're better off having a striker for six months that'll get you fifteen. 17 goals than having a striker that'll get you 10 goals all season so it'll be disappointing if he does go for them but I think if he continues at the same rate he's going to attract attention but at the same time it'll still benefit Morgan because they'll get a bit of money and they've got a striker that's banged a load of goals in for them and hopefully we'll put them about mid-table going into, into the uh, sort of February Cool, right the last talking point and a word from you all Nigel Atkins and Paul Cook, Matt do they last to the end of October, yes or no? Yes, yes for sorry, yes or no for both of them. Can we so it takes. I ju- just looked at. I think Ipswich's two next two fixtures are Wednesday and Lincoln. I think if he doesn't come out with, I think if he draws both, it probably keeps him. It gives him a buffer. I think if he loses both, Paul Cook's in real real trouble. Nigel Atkins, on a smaller scale. I don't know what their next game is Saturday. I'll just have a quick look. I know they've got us the following Tuesday. Um, they've got... Sorry, Wickham up. away Saturday. So that's going to be tricky as well. Wow. Again, I suppose if, if they get beaten at Wickham and don't turn us over, then questions are going to be asked a bit more. They'd both be entrenched in the bottom four then. And at what point do you start saying, I know after eight games and we keep saying it, but not adrift in terms of a relegation battle. I don't for one minute think either will get relegated, but that wasn't the ambition at the start of the season. So I think the next two, three fixtures for both managers are hugely important. Yeah, absolutely. And I personally don't think Paul Cook will last, if it's not going to be to the end of October, it's certainly for me going to be November. I just don't think it's going to win enough in that short time. I don't think, I don't see it clicking that quickly versus what Lincoln is going to just turn around and click. You saw it at Cambridge. Um, 
yeah, you saw it at Cambridge where they just kind of clicked. I don't think that will happen at Ipswich. I think vulnerably, as Matt's already alluded to, they're going to be too defensively weak and they're going to concede too many goals to overcome that. You can't concede five goals within an hour. You know, you're not going to get anything out of that game. And I just don't see them doing it against the, the opponents they've got up. So for me, um, I think Cook won't be in a job. Atkinses are completely groovy. And um, you, John? Uh, I think Paul Cook's going to get a bit longer. Um, I think the biggest thing, I, th- I think I've read a few of uh, Ipswich fans thinking is not bringing Liam Richardson with him when he came. Would, is that another another thing that they've not done? Because, you know, managers always take their assistants with them. I mean, Steve Evans has taken Paul Rainham with him pretty much everywhere <laughs> and um, things like that. And you, you sort of just wonder, is, is the fact that Liam Richardson's not with Paul Cook part of the reason why Ipswich are struggling. Um, with the quality of the squad, I can't see them being like this for too much longer. It's Charlton that I, I really worry for. That Wickham game is huge. I think they have to... I think if they get four points out of the next two games, then I think Adkins will be all right. But anything less, then I think he'll be uh, on really thin ice. Fair enough. Okay, so moving on to the fixtures, um, we're all running out a bit of time. Um, but we've got tomorrow's match is Lincoln Rotherham. Um, I'll go go around the room. Um, I'll start. I'm going to go with a one-one draw, Matt. Uh, yeah, I'll go with that one-all. Uh, Graham. Two-one Lincoln. And John. One-nil Lincoln. Ooh, nice one. Okay, so we're not going to go through exact scores, but um, we'll bit, we'll go through each game, not not give our predictions on all of them. We'll put that on Twitter after because we're on that bit of time. But um, I'll start Accrington, Stanley, and Wigan. I'm going to go with a a plucky Accrington draw and draw. Sorry, yeah. Um, Matt AFC Wimbledon and Plymouth home win, just Graham Bolton Rotherham. Born. Okay, John Cheltenham Oxford. Oxford. Ooh, okay. Uh, I will go with a 2 1. Oh, so I'm not going to give his X scores, but I'm going to go for Crew Alexandra victory. I think they'll turn the tide against a struggling Burton. I say struggling, but struggling to pick up a bit of form. Matt Doncaster Morecambe. Draw. Graham Fleetwood Sunderland. Sunderland. Oh, had, had to land on you. <laughs> um, John Gillingham, MK Dons. Wow, that landed on you as well. Brilliant. Yep. Bogey ground, take the point, move on. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with a 2 1 Lincoln. Oh, keeps giving the scores. Lincoln victory. Uh, Matt, Pompey, Cambridge. Pompey, just. Uh, Graham, Sheffield Wednesday, Shrewsbury. Easy win for Sheffield. And finally, you've got the last game. John Wickham, Charlton. Wickham. Okay. 
Well, we'll put our exact predictions up um, for tomorrow's night game, and then on on the Friday as we as we usually do, and we'll also announce the winner of the Super Six. I've had a mental weekend and haven't actually calculated it yet, but there's about twenty two. We we'll call it that. Go. Are we going to get done for copyright? We might have to call it something else. Select your six. Maybe. I'll call it. If uh, if Sky come after me, it put, puts in the headlines, won't it? So uh, we we'll should choose it. So who can get the, who can get the company to come after us? Would it? We should change it to who can get the results the most wrong and call it the super shite six. <laughs> well, it, basically, if you put an accumulator what you think will happen, or certainly with me, it's going to happen the opposite. So maybe just like, <laughs> the opposite. I did an accumulator at the weekend. Guess who let me down? Not so Fulham. Fulham. So, um, get in! <laughs> I helped you I out. I don't feel bad for you at all. So you predict a Fulham victory and you were wrong. Uh, the curse of Blackpool come back to bite you. I'm only please joking. Gamble. Please uh, gamble responsibly, everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, please do. Um, anyway, that finishes. Uh, John, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and giving your insight to the weekend's matches. Oh, absolutely, Spawn. Thanks for having me, guys, and great to be on. And um, thank you for your continued support, mate. Matt, as ever, uh, thank you for coming on. Always a pleasure. Graham, welcome back from Berlin. And uh, was it Berlin? It was Berlin, wasn't it? it was. Hope you had a good time. And uh, thank you very much for another funny insight to your League One uh, knowledge. Don't fly Ryanair. <laughs> and from all us at the third tier, it's a very good evening. The audio for this will be out very shortly. Um, and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Good night.